reading today is from Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Yes. So Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. And as he was setting out on this journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all those I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowfully, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a, ca a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one that has left the house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with, with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Lord's word. Thanks, Maria. Uh, be really helpful to you keep your Bible open there uh, at Mark 10. We're going to particularly focus this morning on verses 28 to 31, right at the end there. So Peter's statement and then the response of Jesus uh, at the end of that section there. Uh, if you're new, if you're visiting here, we have, over the last number of weeks, been looking at our church mission statement. Uh, to make and mature and mobilize committed followers of Jesus. And over that time, we've unpacked make and, mobilize, make and mature and mobilize. Today, we're really unpacking the last part of that statement, uh, committed followers of Jesus. So uh, we're going to open up this passage to do that. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord, thank God, thank you that we uh, have your word. We thank you that you are the God who speaks, uh, who has spoken in the past, uh, who's caused your word to be recorded and kept, and the God who speaks today through your word and through the work of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord God, we do pray uh, this morning that you would speak to us. You would give us attentiveness, uh, ears to hear. Uh, Lord God, that you would speak and change our hearts, uh, that we might follow Jesus. We ask this in his name. 
Amen. Um, I guess this morning, as I uh, look out and as we look at this passage, is that many of us have come up against things in our life that are tough, that are difficult. Uh, I can guess that with a certain amount of confidence because many of us know that that is generally, uh, that is how life can go. There are things that are sometimes, maybe even often, that are hard work. But I wonder if we've ever come up to a point in one of these difficult moments, tackling one of these difficult things, when we've asked the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? doing this thing. Maybe that's, maybe that's just a really, really tough workplace. A workplace where, where the boss is always on our back. A workplace where there is tension. We don't know what we're doing. Maybe it's even a workplace where we're, we're ostracized for our faith in Jesus. And we, we ask the question, is it worth it in this job? Maybe it's at a time where we've been training for an event, for a race, or, or a sports event. And we think about all, all, of the, all of the hard yards that we have to put in. All of the other things that we have to sacrifice for it. We think about the injuries, those, those times of training. We get to the point we ask, well, is this, is this really worth it? For some of us, it, it might be in the area of a relationship. We might have had a relationship that just got strained and it was hard work. It wasn't as easy as it used to be. We always seem to be giving out and we, we just ask that question, is it actually worth it? It could be with a whole lot of areas in life. It could be in our studies. It could be in um, our schoolwork. It could even be in the church. But this morning... Uh, we want to ask that question in the most significant and important way that we can. We want to ask it about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Is being a follower of Jesus Christ actually worth it? If the calling is to make, mature, and mobilize, and that's not easy, is it actually worth the effort? Well, every time we ask that question, you and I, about anything in life, we do a very quick calculation. We do a calculation of what does it cost us and what do we get out of it? What do we give and what do we gain in return? And this morning, that's what we're going to be doing about following Jesus. And in many ways, that's actually the question that Peter is asking here in verse 28 as he blurts out. You remember that we just had that story of that guy who comes to Jesus and asks the question, what do I have to do to eternal in inherit eternal life? He's a young guy, he's a rich guy, and he's a morally good guy. He's got everything going for him, and yet... Jesus tells him to sell everything he has, give it to the poor, and follow him. Well, this puts the disciples in a moment of absolute crisis. Not for the first time and not for the last time. But it throws them into this crisis. Who then can follow Jesus? Who can have eternal life? 
Jesus says how hard it is for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what about everybody else then? If the sign of blessing from God is not good enough, what is? And so Peter asks that question. Well, he does not, he makes that statement. He's really saying, but Jesus, what about us? We have left everything and followed you. Well, today we're going to unpack the answer that Jesus gives him. And that answer comes in two parts. And the first part of that answer is that Jesus affirms that following him comes with great cost. Following him comes with tremendous sacrifice. You're right, he's saying to Jesus. In order to follow me, you have to leave everything else behind. Have a look at what Jesus says here, starting in verse 29. He says, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. What is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about leaving. He's talking about leaving families. He's talking about leaving our homes. He's talking about leaving our financial security and stability. What does he mean? Is Jesus actually saying that we're not really a follower unless we give this all up? Are we just like half-hearted disciples if we haven't left our family behind, if we haven't abandoned our home and kind of live on the street? Well, it's no coincidence the two things that Jesus here chooses to talk about leaving behind. Because then, as is today, he's talking about two of the greatest pulls, two of the greatest draws on our life and on our hearts. Why do we have so much in our news today about the housing market? Why is it that we cannot go barely a day to hear about hearing about house prices in Melbourne or Sydney or anywhere else in the country? Why are interest rates and bank lending front page news almost every single week? Because our homes are precious and dear to us. They are, for, for many of us, our one major financial asset. They mean so much to us in terms of so financial security and independence and a backstop. They are often a retirement plan. They give us the sense that we're okay if we have this house. And so often something that is actually good and not a bad thing becomes an idol for us. Something that we place our hopes in. We find our security in. We love and desire and long for over and over again. The very things that we are created to find in God, we so often are looking for in our homes, 
and in our financial security. Not only does Jesus highlight leaving the house and lands, but he also highlights leaving family. Family is, is in fact, probably the most socially acceptable idol uh, in our world today and even in the church. We will do anything for our families. We love our families. We sacrifice for our families. And so often (laughs) we are finding our peace our hope, our joy, our comfort in our family rather than in the God who has given it to us. Now, hear me out here. Don't, don't, don't hear me say that a house and family are wrong. They are not. They can be absolute blessings and gifts from God. They are blessings to be enjoyed and used for the purposes of God. But they are not God. They did not create us. They will not love us as God loves us. They will never rescue us like God rescues us. You see, to follow Jesus is to hold on to these things lightly and in their proper context. To leave them behind to follow Jesus may sometimes mean literally. There may be occasions when the follower of Jesus has to leave behind family. Maybe they are rejected by family. Maybe it's that God calls them to serve in a different place, even in a different country. Maybe at times there is the call to leave a house behind. Serve God, to to give it up for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. But always, always, it is to hold on to these things lightly so that they don't take the place of God. They don't stop us from following Jesus. Jesus says, that everyone who does this for his sake and for the sake of the gospel, for his sake and the sake of the gospel, we leave behind everything else to follow him. And he includes in the next, in the next verse as well, you could get that with persecutions as well. Not only do you leave it, but you can be hated for it as well. Jesus is affirming what Peter says here. There is great cost in following him. It's the cost that the young man, the rich man, the the morally good man, the cost that he was not willing to pay. But it is the cost which Jesus himself and even more was willing to pay for us. It's no coincidence that just after this, Jesus will go on and talk to his disciples. If you scroll down the page a little bit, in verse 33, look at what he says. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man may be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. 
And after three days, he will rise. See, right after this, Jesus, who says, follow me, shows the path. He shows the way. It cost him his very life. It's going to cost disciples no less their lives they're everything. If you're, uh, if you're checking out uh, the church and Jesus, uh, I kind of wish you hadn't have come today. Or I kind of wish that maybe you'd fallen asleep <laughs> during the sermon. I wish there was a way to sugarcoat this, uh, to kind of gloss over it. But we can't. If you're checking Jesus out, this is something that, that you need to consider. Following him can cost us everything. It may cost us the rejection of your family. People may turn against you for following Jesus. Family might kick you out of the house. It happens all the time around the world for people who follow Jesus. It might cost you a job one day. Jesus might call you to serve him somewhere else in the world to take you away from everything that is comfortable. It's always, it's always to hold on to these things with a light grip to follow Jesus. It can't compete for our love and our affection and our attention. That is reserved for Jesus and for Jesus alone. For some of us who have followed Jesus for many years, uh, we know how easy it is to slip into easy discipleship, don't we? We know how easy it is over time to negate the cost, come to church, be happy, sing songs, carry on with the rest of our life like it makes no difference. Jesus is challenging that. There's no such thing as easy discipleship. It costs us. Clarifying our mission has actually made things harder for us as a church. There could be a time when we ask the question, when we say, I wish we hadn't done that. I wish we could go back to the way that things were before. I wish we could just have sermons about God's love, not, not demand, where the bar is low for serving and relationships where church life is just easy. We don't have to give money for interns or for missions. There's been times when I've already said that. I wish we could go back to it just being easy. But if Jesus calls us, he calls us to make and mature and to mobilize, 
And he calls us to be committed followers of Christ. Those who leave everything behind to follow him. Before we go on to point number two, I see a lot of people shivering. Daryl, do you want to turn off the aircon for a moment? We don't seem to have an in-between city. Either you swelter or you freeze. So we'll just turn it on and off all the time. Well, the question that we started with actually seems really important at the moment, doesn't it? One that we need to wrestle with. If that is the cost, if that is what being a committed follower of Jesus looks like, then the question we've got to ask, is it worth it? The same question you and I ask when we flick through a catalog at, at all the nice things there. The same question that kids ask when they have their pocket money in front of the lolly shop. The same question that we ask every time we spend energy and effort and time into something. Is it worth it? So what did Jesus say? The answer that he gives actually comes to us in two parts. And the first part is he talks about what we gain now in this time. If you have a look there at verse 30. He says, talked about what we leave for his sake and the sake of the gospel. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land. Now, in a sense, this surely can't be right. Jesus surely can't be offering a hundred times all that we give to him. If it is, then maybe, maybe the televangelists and the prosperity preachers have it right. Give to Jesus and you're going to get it all back. Maybe, maybe my application every Sunday should be Give $1,000 to the church and you'll get $100,000 back from God. That would solve a whole lot of, whole lot of issues uh, all around the place. How do we marry this with Jesus saying, you've got to leave everything behind? Is it leave so that you gain the same things back again? Well, let's have a look and let's actually start with the easy part of that answer. Let's start with the brothers and the sisters and the mothers and children. What is Jesus talking about here? He's saying whatever you have to leave behind in your family, you gain a hundredfold in the new community, in the new family that you become a part of in Jesus. Whatever it is that you've given away or left because of Christ, you will gain in the new family of God, a spiritual family whose joy and whose priority is the same as yours. Mothers, brothers, sisters, children found in the people of God. Now, some of us, we have the wonderful privilege that those two families overlap. Our physical, earthly family overlaps with our spiritual family. And how incredibly good is that? What a tremendous blessing that actually is. But for some of us, the pain and the reality 
of leaving our earthly families behind for the sake of Jesus, this is an incredible comfort and an incredible joy. For those for whom it means when they follow Jesus that their family rejects them, casts them aside, ostracizes them from the community, Jesus is saying, yes, you will give that up, but you will gain a hundredfold in the people of God. A new family. It's not the same. In some ways, it's even better. For those who find that following Jesus calls them to serve him away from their families, to move away from the people who love them and who are dear to them. Jesus says, yes, you will give that up. But in doing so, you will find families open to you and God's people who will love you and care for you and accept you, maybe even better than your original family. For those who find that family life is tough because of broken relationships, wounds that have not healed, Jesus is promising a new family in his people. Mothers, brothers, sisters, children, who will love you and include you. But not only that, he says, he said there will be homes and lands as well. So what do we do with that part? Well, most commentators agree, and because they agree, I'm going to agree with them. That Jesus is talking about here the homes and the financial security also of his people, the new community of God. We gain, in a sense, in following Jesus, the homes and the support and the care of the community of God's people. Now, we've got to be careful because there's some things that this is not saying. It's not saying you can squander everything you have. Don't worry about it because you've got a church family you can sponge off for the rest of your life. It's not saying if you don't like your job, quit it because we have deacons and we give money to them and they'll kind of just fork you out like a church Centrelink, uh, week by week, and they'll look after you. It's not saying that you and I can rock up on each other's doorstep and saying, where's my room? Um, I'm staying for, for a few weeks here. It's not saying that. But it is saying that if you, if I, for the sake of Christ and the gospel, if these things are taken away, we have a family who will care for us. How many missionaries have found that they've left their own homes and yet found hundreds of homes open to them all around the world as they serve for the sake of Jesus and the sake of the gospel? How many persecuted Christians have found that when their family kicks them out, 
there are hundreds of homes that become open to them for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the gospel. It could be that one day one of us will lose our job for the sake of being a disciple of Jesus. And what will happen? Well, by God's grace, we pray that they will find that there are a hundred homes open to them and hearts as well. There is much to give up in following Jesus. There's a lot that Jesus might require, but he knows it. He knows what we give up. He knows how to provide for his people. He gives his people to provide for his people. Jesus goes on, because it's not just about now, it's also about the age to come. There at the end of verse 30. What is it when he says, in the age to come? Well, he's, he's talking about the time between his own death and resurrection and ongoing. That is, that is the age to come. It started when Jesus rose from the dead, and it will continue on forever. We actually now live in both times, don't we? We live in the now, and we live in the age to come. That age that will be completed, matured, uh, finalized when Jesus returns. What is it that we gain? Well, Jesus says one thing, and in the age to come, eternal life. Full life. Life as God created it to be lived. Life as God intended it to be. Eternal life is, of course, living forever. But it is living forever in right relationship with God. It's the peace and the joy and the hope that comes from knowing Jesus. It's the very life which Jesus gives us when he died on that cross. It's the very life which we gain as he gave his own up. As he took the punishment that was ours. As he broke the curse of sin. As he cleansed his people from every sin, every spot, guilt and shame. And renewed and restored our relationship with the God who created us. It's the forgiveness and the cleansing and the newness of life that comes from knowing Jesus. That event, his death and his resurrection, that turns everything on its head. And in fact, it turns the world on its head. For he turns the world the right way up for the very first time. And that's where Jesus finishes. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. His work changes the world. It changes the way that things work. Where those who are downtrodden, those who lose everything for the sake of Jesus and the gospel, have a place in his kingdom and in his family forever. So if you're considering following Jesus at the moment, Yes, there's a great cost. He will ask you to let go of everything else for it. But he will give you 
more than you ever gave him. He will give you a brand new life with a new heart. A brand new relationship with God the Father. He will give you a people to belong to. And he will do that forever. As we make mature, mobilized, committed followers of Jesus, it will be hard work. It will call for us over and over again to sacrifice what is nice, what is comfortable, what seems normal. But as we do that, he will be working to give people eternal life, life in Christ, forgiveness for eternity. Let's pray to him now, shall we? Lord God, this morning we acknowledge that the cost of, of following Jesus can often be overwhelming. We so often, Lord, want to give up. We so often don't want to pay that price. We want to hold on to things that seem precious and dear, but are nothing in comparison with the riches that we have in Jesus. Lord God, we pray this morning that you would remind us over and over again of the glory of the gospel, the wonder of what you have done in Jesus, that you would show us over and over what we now have in Christ, that everything else, Lord, would find its proper place, its right place, as we follow him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.